Welcome to the Odds Pod. I'm Dave Hendrick. And I'm Ben Hennessy, and we're the team behind the Scout Comics title, The Odds. A story about what it means to be a husband, a leader, a fighter, and a man-cow. Each week we invite a new guest on to share their favourite apocalypse stories with us, be it Marvel's collapsing incursions of multiverses, or DC's destruction of infinite Earths, or... uh, Aren't they kind of the same? Anyway... We want to get into the cataclysm on the couch, analyze annihilation, and prescribe Prozac for prognostication. So, today's guest? In his time, he's been a writer, an editor, a producer, an actor, and for a while, an actual transformer. His work at IDW reintroduces some of our favorite franchises, and he's gone on to work with some of the biggest names in comics and entertainment. He is, of course, our friend, Mr. Chris Royle. Hey, guys. Hey, Chris. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. I should say that a couple of those descriptors should should have quotation marks around them. <laughs> Actor is about as uh, 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 dubious a claim as I could possibly ever make. Well, um, well, let's let's get into that for a second, Chris, because there's somebody somebody on the call here whose daughter has just discovered sweet. Power Rangers. Mm. And um, we just watched that episode. That, oh, yeah. you you saw you saw oh, my, did. my finest yeah. work, huh? I sure did. It was amazing. I mean, like Emmys. I saw all the nominations come your way, and, like, and nobody gets a trash can dumped on his head like Chris did. And can we can we just say, um, listeners, that there's a there's a a beautiful um, shelving unit behind Chris in in the shot here, and it's it's just filled with Emmys. I, I can it's so many. You know, I, I'm surprised you can fit your ROM collection around it. I mean, when you're the only nominee of uh, best, you know, trash can dumpy, <laughs> it's pretty easy to win. Oh, man. It's just, I love that. I, I, how did I find out about that? I think, I can't remember. It might have been Nick who said it to me. You know he was in Power Rangers. Probably, you know? probably. Yeah. That's that funny. Yeah. It was yeah. Nick Rose who said it to me as well. That's yeah. 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 Then it started to needed the money isn't yeah. that isn't that how the line goes yeah pretty much yeah that's that's pretty much yeah how i ended I'm up older and i still need that money <laughs> yeah i was gonna say that's how i ended up working with ben. another trash can on my head <laughs> yeah man um but yeah so uh you've been you've been busy yeah yeah i mean it's it's weird like i was at idw for just about 17 years wow, man. um and so since leaving there in mid 2020 like i've i've kind of made myself a bit nutty by by taking on everything i possibly could just because you know it's kind of like being a freelancer at the buffet where you're just like i want some of this and some of that some of that then suddenly you are overcommitted in ways that you can never deliver and you realize you're just going to disappoint everybody and so I've, I've then spent a while trying to unwind some of those commitments and really find my focus and so the focus right now is is my comic imprint at Image, and I've been doing some uh, some work on a video game startup as well. So I'm still kind of multitasking in uh, uh, infuriating ways at times, yeah. but you know it's it's fun just being able to say yes to a lot of different things. Awesome, yeah. And the work at Image. So, um, I, I, I don't know if like I don't know how to pronounce the name of the company. So is it? <laughs> So I just go with the letters. I just I, I just read the letters. Yeah. First. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Can I have a go? It's Can funny. I have a go? Is it? Is it? Is yes, it? please. Scissorgy. Scissorgy. Yeah. Scissorgy. Of course, it is. Yeah, scissorgy. I gotta be honest. Uh, I, got, I got a bit of a panic sweat there. Well, my partner is Ashley Wood, this Australian painter, artist, awesome toy artist. maker, who he loves odd phrases and odd words, hmm. and almost all of his art books have had, had strange names. And so he said we should call it scissorgy, and I'm like, we could call it like. 
fun comics or something. And I don't know, Syzygy. Hmm. And I'm like, I don't know what that is. I don't know what that means. I don't know how to spell it. I don't know how to pronounce it or define it. And so that was our first step was like, well, let's figure out those things. So when people ask us, you know, we can actually acknowledge that it's a real word. It's kind of a, a word that has bearing like in the cosmos, kind of these, these bodies that swirl around each other and make each other stronger. And we thought, well, that's kind of an apt description of what we're doing. We're trying to prop each other up and bring in friends and creators we like and, and make this imprint into something where we're all kind of swirling around each other and hopefully making a stronger whole, that kind of a thing. Nice. Nice. Ashley Woods stuff is just, I have a couple of his art books here and I have one, one robot somewhere on the shelf. Yeah, somewhere. I've got a couple but of them myself. Man, amazing. Absolutely amazing. How did you guys meet? Um, God, we met like in 2005. I was newish at IDW. Um, the first thing that they ever published were a couple of his art books. So he had a long history with the company and the founders. Um, and so the first thing we did together was this magazine called Doomed, which never call a magazine Doomed if you want it to have a long <laughs> life because you make it really easy on people, people who are critical of it. Um, but it was like our throwback to like the creepies and eerie magazines oh, of cool, yeah. the 70s, you know, horror adaptations and horror stories, black and white, that kind of thing. And so he and I did a couple stories together. The first one we did, we got an Eisner nomination. So we're like, this is easy, man. You can get Eisner nominations just by doing stuff. And of course, it's never happened again, and we didn't win. So it's like, all right, maybe it's not that easy. Um, hey, you're chasing that, that dragon. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so we just got to talking, and, and I, he goes, we should do a thing together. And I go, well, what do you like to do? He goes, I like to draw robots. I like to draw zombies. And so we're like, let's do a series called Zombies vs. Robots. And that was kind of how it all started. Yeah, it makes sense. Great series, by the way. Yeah. Great series. It's the, it was, it's fun to do a thing like, I know we're talking about a different apocalypse today, but that was kind of our goofy, let's not pay any attention to, to sort of the laws of nature or laws of physics or do anything like pathos field, like a lot of uh, zombie apocalypse scenarios are. We just wanted to have fun and sort of, you know, take the piss out of, of that kind of a scenario in that series. Nice. Nice. And and you did. And it, it like it's absolutely brilliant. And if anybody hasn't checked it out, please do. Um oh, hunt it down. It's well worth yeah, your while. Yeah. It's it's everything you want it to be and more. Yeah, man. Those uh so, I mean, some Ashes of those art alone just makes it worth make it makes it worth the pickup, I think. Oh yeah. And just hilarious Team stuff effort. as well. Like absolutely hilarious, yeah. you know. Um so so Syzygy's going well. Um you've had am I right in saying you've had one series out? The one series is launched so far. No, we've, no? we've probably put out about seven or eight total. Oh, wow. okay. um, we yeah. launched last year with uh, Joe Hill's Rain, which had, you know, the nice Irish connection in colors, Chris O'Halloran. Um, so that was the first thing we did. And we put, republished some of our stuff along the way. We did a new Zombies vs. Robots series. That was kind of a collection of old and new and remastered works. Um, the latest things are a book called Hitomi, a mm-hmm. book called All Against All, and a book called Three Keys, which are the kind of the three that are wrapping up right now. Then yeah. We've got a whole slate on tap for uh, the summer and beyond. So, so Ash and I are launching a new book in June. Um, and yeah, just just trying to trying to keep it all going. Sweet. So All Against All is is a big hit in this house. Um, hmm. So with myself and uh, I have, I've, I've, I've managed to bring up a couple of nerds. Um, so with the the fifteen year old and the thirteen year old, you know, when it comes into the house, it's like give me that, and they're off to their rooms. Oh, you know? great! That's it. Yeah, yeah, happy to hear that because I think Alex is just such a smart writer. He's yeah. very Alex smart. Alex yeah. um, and Casper is just 
like an ungodly talent. Like his his color work and just his approach to a page is just so unique. And I I think that's the thing that we want with with Syzygy is to do books that feel unique and that couldn't just happen anywhere else. You know, you see a lot of books that are good, but kind of feel interchangeable. And so we wanted stuff that just has, I don't know, kind of a pleasantly off kilter feel to it. And I, I think, you know, between Zoe Thurgood's art on rain and Casper's work on this, like those kind of perfectly sum up what we want this to be. Yeah. Some absolutely amazing artists. Um, Great talent on your side there. Yeah. All those guys are absolute hits. I mean, Zoe Thurgood, I mean, well, not good at that young in age is, is incredible. Her her latest graphic novel, the one she did oh, on her man. own, it's it's lonely the center of oh my god, it's it's amazing, you know, and she's twenty three. Like how does her, someone her future her upside is incredible? How, how does yeah. someone so young have such an insight into like I know it's themselves, but it's it's life. Like it's it's just like it's 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 deep stuff. It's great. That and I, I it's funny because I think yeah, she's very much like I, I used to describe her work as like it was sort of her pure id coming off her off her pencil. Like she wasn't, you know, with a ruler and a straight edge trying to draw straight lines and worry about whether everything was perfectly in line or in mm. perspective. It was just like, this is what she had to draw. And so, you know, there could be shaky lines and just, mm-hmm. I don't know. It just felt like pure emotion on the page. And I think her, the book she did on her own, just even more of that. Like, it's just so compelling. Yeah. Yeah. Unreal, man. There's, there's someone who's going to be hopefully creating for the next 40, 50 years, you know, like there's Can you my, my nightmare is that, that at some point she'll be drawing a monthly superhero comic. Cause that's, that's not what she should be doing. No. I know that's the, where you can get, you know, easy paychecks and steady work mm-hmm. and all that. But I think what she does on her own is just so unique and cool and necessary that I hope she's able to make a good career doing yeah. a lot of that. Yeah. Like if she went like the, the Brubaker Phillips route, you know, where it's a, it's yeah. a graphic novel every couple of months, you know, that'd be, that'd be fantastic. Um, but yeah. yeah, I mean, we've only scratched the surface with her, you know, I mean, she, she might get bored. She's, she's only 23. She, she could right. just decide yeah. to do something else. She has the time. <laughs> I feel like that might happen. I feel like she's such a talent. She's going to find something else maybe down the road. And I feel like we, we might lose her from comics. I yeah. hope, hope it's not Maybe podcasting. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she could certainly replace us. Um So so yeah, um and then Casper's stuff, like just going back on, on what he does with colour and everything. Like he has this is the thing about Casper. He's got such a definitive style and he's you know, and the his use of colour, yet he looks he makes every book look different. And I don't know how yeah. he does that, you know. Because he is like you can look at a, any page and go, oh, that's that's Casper's definitely, you know. Yeah. But it's still really fresh whenever you know, whatever project he's working on. You know, you look at Angelic, you look at um uh yeah, Homesick Pilots. Pilots. Homesick yeah. Pilots, yeah, yeah, yeah. The haunted mech one. And and yeah. and and then, you know, this one now with with all against all. And it, there's there's definitely continuity, but it's it's absolutely its own thing every time, mm-hmm. you know. It's weird that we're we're in a period where I think comic arts and artists are are seem to have more skill than at any point in history, but there's also a fair amount of uniformity in what you see, especially in, you know, like again, I'm not picking on them, but in the superhero books, they like the continuity of style as much as as anything else. Yeah. So when you see somebody like a Casper who whose style is just so unique and singular, like like a Gabriel Hernandez, you know, Gabriel Walter. Yeah. Yeah. Guys like that that have the style that is just so singular, I think, just really leaves a mark because it 
it is just like nothing else you see on the market right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Like, and, 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 and nothing uh, I've seen before. It's so right. unique, yeah. you know, it's yeah. not like it's a, it's a theme of, of people who are coming up with a certain style out of a certain place. He's just very much his own, you know, it's, it's great to see. Yeah. It's I, nice to have that talent now is inspired, not just by like the superhero books of their childhood, but like, anime and manga and just all kinds of different influences coming in. So you get these styles now that, yeah, that you couldn't have envisioned before because they're not kind of copies of copies like, uh, like it used to be, because that's all there was back in the day. And now everybody has just such a plethora of, of influences and things that are kind of stewing in their brain as they're making art. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. I mean, um, there's all sorts of influences now coming in and sometimes you, you find artists who, have never really been into comics you know it's they just approach it it's like oh it was a fun thing to do and uh and they go off and do it and it's like oh you're you're absolutely amazing first time out the gate fair play to you yeah i'm not a great avenue for someone to do that if they've been an established artist in another industry like to come into comics you're getting a bigger slice of that pie that production pie because it's a smaller team unit, you know, or if you're coming from like animation, it's such a big unit. You're getting a small little piece of what you see on screen, the finished product to come into comics and have a say on, on the design, to have a say on the script, to have a say on colors, to have a say on what happens, how you shoot it. It's, 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 it's really, it's really pleasing to someone who might not have had all those calls in one gig before. It's that, that trade-off of like the control and being able to do it all yourself versus the actual money, you know, yeah, like, yeah, I was gonna say. More you get paid, the more voices and influences there are in what you're doing. But yeah, comics does offer at least purity, if nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, you know, we, we'll all, we'll all have amazing projects as we talk about them in the poor house, you know, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, what are you, what are you going to do? Um, so, um, what's next out from Sisergy then? So we're launching a book in June. I don't think we've announced it yet, but why not? Um, okay. It, it's yeah, it's actually called uh, Tailed. We normally make fun of other people who use goofy puns in their comics, Excellent. but this book is called Tales of Sizzspence. Oh, uh, yes. Well, it's a split book. So Ash is doing one story, and I'm doing a story with an artist named Nelson Daniel, who I've worked with before, this Chilean artist who I think is just spectacular. Um, his art and colors are just so good. And so we're, since it was a split book, we're like, well, let's do a thing that kind of ha- harkens back to, you know, the tales to astonish tales of suspense, those kind of split books back, yeah, you know, and, in, in sort of pre our childhoods. Um, and so we thought, well, let's call it something that, that harkens back to that. We're doing covers that, that are tributes to those old books and yeah, just, you know, again, trying to have some fun with it. Amazing. And, uh, so that's that's what we're doing to sort of separate but together. Then I got a whole bunch of other books lined up with other creators. I'm real excited yeah. about too. That that'll happen this year. Fantastic. So so the tales to suspense. Um, it, that, is that going to be like a like a one shot double feature or is it ongoing or miniseries or ongoing? Ongoing, yeah. right? Okay, awesome, oh, brilliant. brilliant. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to get some ongoing Chris Royal stuff out there. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because it's we're both doing characters like separately. We just said, here's what we want to do. And they turned out to be characters that kind of have a similar look and feel, oh, but we had no idea because we didn't really talk it out ahead of time. Yeah. And they're also both characters that we've tried to get going in different ways over the last like 15 years or more. And yeah. so it's exciting for me to finally be able to to do this thing that I've been thinking about for so long. Awesome. Okay. That, that's, that's cool. And will, will there be an element of crossover between them or is that too far? Probably yeah. not. I mean, no. I, I, 
the Ash's stuff is always so uniquely Ash like it's hard yeah. to yeah to break in without feeling like you're bringing too much normalcy to to a thing that to him like there's just absolutely no rules and yeah <laughs> sometimes like I say this as a as a compliment like complete incoherence um in what he's doing because it is again just like his pure distillation of what he sees with comics being mm-hmm. which is they don't have to make sense they don't have to follow rules or follow even continuity they can just be this thing that looks unique and cool and so i we're good when we work together from the start but if i try to like fit in there i think what i'm doing is too straightforward to really mesh as well as uh as as it should yeah yeah okay cool Cool. I can't wait to see it, man. That's that's great. And yeah, thanks so for yeah, the announcement. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Um, okay, so Chris, everybody who comes on the show is asked the big question, and it's it's time for for us to ask you that. So, Chris Royal of Scissorgy, what's your favorite what? apocalypse? Oh, I thought you. I think you were pausing for me to be the big question, <laughs> Dave. Oh no, I was like, oh, I missed it, and then I started to say it. <laughs> Do I say it again? Go on. So we'll try that again. Chris Royal of Scissorgy, what is your favorite apocalypse? Well, so when you told me that that's the topic today, I wanted to not only think about favorites, but I also wanted to think about something that probably hasn't been answered before. Um, you know, it's easy to say it's the Ramiro apocalypse or it's the Kirkman's apocalypse or sort of the the big popular cool kinds of uh, or Mad Max or whatever, you know, the things that we've all sort of followed along the way. And I thought, well, that's too easy so I decided to pick something that very few people might uh, even be aware of, which maybe this is too obscure for, for an audience, but I'll try to take everybody through it in ways that, you know, makes it explanatory and hopefully gets people wanting to, uh, to dig back into the things I'm talking about. But so my favorite apocalypse, eh, it's favorite and least favorite because it's kind of the one in our real world uh, that we're living through right now, the slow moving apocalypse that we all see <laughs> approaching and can't do anything to prevent. But nope. I'd say that started with, with the cancellation of the late seventies, early eighties, Marvel comic called ROM space night. Um, that that series ending was the harbinger of this apocalypse that we all, all sort of find ourselves moving more and more toward. And, okay. and this whole, uh, TED Talk like treatise on why that's so. Yeah. Okay. So, so you think the root of all evil <laughs> is the is the cancellation <laughs> of uh, of Rom Space Night at Marvel Comics? Yeah, and so uh, which is a ridiculous premise to take, but let's run but with it's, it. It's uniquely mine. Yeah. Um, and so Rom, for people that don't know, Rom was he was like the first toy that ever had LED. Like his eyes lit up and his chest lit up, and he had a weapon that lit up. And it was like right when that LED technology first came on the market. And so they thought, well, we got to we gotta slap this into a toy. Mm. And so they made this robot toy that was terrible. Like it had these spindly little arms. The legs were ridiculous. It had no articulation, but it lit up. And so it mm. was it was in that way cool. Um, I never had the toy <laughs> as a kid. I, I got one years later. Um, so it was a shitty toy, honestly, that became a really good licensed comic back in the it launched in 1979 and, and ran till about um, 1986. And so as a little kid, like it was the thing that to me was uniquely different than other Marvel comics. It was darker. Like it involved this robot, this cyborg coming to earth who was after this alien race that could take over humans. So you didn't know who to trust. You didn't know if your neighbor was really this, uh, this alien out to kill you or not. And so it was this 
paranoid sort of dark comic that even as a kid, I was like, this is different than, you know, X-Men or something like that. Like yeah. it just has this darker tone to it that even when I was too little to understand all of it, um, just had this appeal to me. And so it like the people that read it really liked it for that reason. I think it's been out of print for 30 some years because legal complications, you know, Marvel owns some of the characters Hasbro now owns some of the characters. Mm. Um, and so they've never quite been able to get together on, on reprinting the series. And so it's one of the things that people have probably heard of more than they've read yeah. or they maybe found a few back issues at conventions, but it's, it's certainly not, in the public ether beyond those of us who insist on bringing it up every chance we get. Yeah. <laughs> like, funny you say that because the only reason I know of Rom is because of you, because I've heard you bring this up at an, at a convention, I believe. And um, every convention. Yeah. <laughs> I think it might've been Dublin. I'm not sure. But um, uh, you were talking about, I had no idea what it was. I had found out since, exactly what it was and then i found out more because of you because you brought out a book i think was it with luca bizarre am i right was he the artist yeah luca drew somebody it was um so yeah after like a 10-year struggle of trying to get the rights and to try to first of all i just wanted to collect the old series into trade paperbacks yeah when that couldn't work we finally got to a point where hasbro said yes you can do new rom it it can't have any of the Marvel elements to it. That stuff's still owned by Marvel. Mm-hmm. So we launched a new series. Um, it was myself and Italian artist David Messina. Um, and later Paolo Villanelli came on and drew some of it. And then um, Luca drew some of it. And so, yeah, it was exciting to finally be able to bring it back. And it was one of those things where you bring back a thing that people love in their childhood. And of course they're going to hate it. You know, it, it's not what they thought it was or what, what they remembered. Um, it can't use sort of the, all the other universe elements that made any property cool. Cause it's, you know, supporting characters. It's everything yeah. that makes a character cool beyond just the character itself. We couldn't use any of that. So we had to reinvent everything whole cloth. And I think the gravest sin that, that I committed was again, the toy shitty. Um, yeah. They didn't, they couldn't do anything with it. They couldn't articulate. They couldn't. So his fingers were fused together in like these mittens and so in the Marvel comic, he had mitten hands because they just made it match the toy. Yeah. In my mind, like, they only did that because that's all they could do at the time. Now we're in an era where you can have articulated fingers and stuff like that. So we gave our ROM that I think looked a lot like the old ROM. We gave him fingers that could, you know, move and bend and actually pick stuff up. Yeah. And fans of the original <laughs> took exception to that because wow. that was so far afield from what, what they remember. That oh, we, you've ruined we, my childhood, Chris. Yeah, yeah, Rom could now give a middle finger to their childhood. So. I hope he did after that. Wait, <laughs> my God. They got angry there, about there, that? That's ridiculous. There's this famous old picture of Johnny Cash where he's flipping an angry yeah. bird to the camera. And I, I photoshopped Rom's head onto it and sort of <laughs> spread that around. Like, here's, your, here's my response to your complaints about Rom's fingers. Yeah. Um, we're all wrong. Well, so the ROM series, um, the new ROM series that we did launched in 2017. And yeah. this is jumping ahead in my timeline, but it launched the same year that Donald Trump took over the presidency. Mm. And so Great once year. again, like you could draw a through line <laughs> to ROM sort of being there right at the advent of the apocalypse. Cause right. I think we all, <laughs> many of us agree that that was sort of the latest advent of this encroaching apocalypse. And yeah. so it was certainly yeah, a portent ROM, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. ROM's kind of been, yeah. Like the Forrest Gump of, of <laughs> the apocalypse since his existence. 
And I can I can start that off in seventy nine. So it's, yeah, launched. let's get into the theory. Come on, let's let's do it. This is amazing. All right. So when ROM launched in seventy nine, things were up to that point kind of going okay. Like it was post for America, it was post Watergate. Mm. It was pre Margaret Thatcher um, in the UK. Yeah. Although seventy nine is when Margaret Thatcher was elected. Yeah. Bad bad was <laughs> bad when, day for us over here. You know. <laughs> Bad day for, for, yeah, for people living there, but also a good day for protest music. Like, I yeah. feel like the uh, the Thatcher regime kind of led to some really good music, mm-hmm. uh, people that, that hated what she was doing. But yeah. maybe not a fair trade-off, but, you know. No, but, you know, the songs are still around. She isn't, so, you know. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. But so, yeah, in 79, when ROM started, uh, Margaret Thatcher was elected. Uh, mm-hmm. The Ayatollah took over uh, Iran and and forced the Shah of Iran, who was kind of a, you know, seemingly a peace-loving guy that was running in Iran. He was kicked out of the country at that point. Yep. And the connection there to Rom is, and I even brought a visual aid, um, which doesn't help anybody listening to this, but Rom was on the cover of an issue of Time magazine that detailed um, the Shah getting deposed oh from Iran. Oh, my God, and, there he is. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and so I actually bought a reproduction of that cover from Time magazine, but... Uh, that's amazing. Anyway, and and so the other thing that happened in 79 that was kind of the precursor of the, this modern apocalypse was for us in America, Three Mile Island, um, our nuclear plant melted down. And so there were all these other things that that sort of were going on that were like, all right, things are going wrong. And like, mm. I think only Rom is, is the guy that can maybe stave off this apocalypse a little longer. Mm-hmm. Um, that was also the year that the, like Fulci Zombie 2 movie, you know, where the zombies fighting the shark. Um, Mad Max came out that year. And so there were all these signs that like everybody was expecting a kind of an apocalypse. And mm. suddenly here's this shining silver cyborg from uh, another planet come to earth to help save us. And so, yeah, I, I would say that, yeah, Rom, Rom was, is the guy that sort of fought off the apocalypse as long as he could. And, right. Right. And so that was, that was how it all started anyway yeah. in 79. Yeah. So 79, the, the year punk died as well. So, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah not, 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 not a great year. Fair play to Rom for, for keeping us all going. Yeah. And so from there, then into, into the first full year of the character um, yep. in 1980, again, for us in America, Mount St. Helens erupted, which was this massive <laughs> volcano eruption. Big, big deal that, for transformer uh, fans. Oh yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. 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 Um, and even so, I was in California, and the state where it happened is, you know, a couple states above. Mm-hmm. Even here, like we were getting blanketed by ash and dirt, and and so it, it, we're like, oh my god, this even the sky looks apocalyptic at this point. You know, John Lennon was murdered in 1980. Um, there was the Iran and Iraq War that year, and so again, all of these bad signs. But then Rom also entered the UK through through the Action Man line, and yeah. so. Again, Rom was there trying to do what he could to shore up uh, world peace in his own way. I love it. Brilliant. I don't, I don't know if this is too too tenuous a connection to make. But, no, let's do it. But there's more. Oh, <laughs> give us give us everything you got. This is great. All right. So in in 1981, Rom at that point was was entering his second full year. Um, it was like, this is when the X-Men cameoed in the book. This is when the book was really good. Like, it was really becoming kind of a big player for Marvel. They were doing all these guest shots in the book. Like, yeah. Marvel recognized that the book had a big, big fan following. Um, and its first, like, five and a half years of existence, it was done by essentially just two guys, the writer Bill Mantlo and artist Sal Buscema, yeah. 
who were guys who were also doing all kinds of other books at Marvel, Spider-Man, Hulk, yeah, all kinds of things. So it was, it wasn't an A-list book there. Like it wasn't, you know, X-Men by John Byrne or anything, but it was mm-hmm. a book that everybody at that point sort of took seriously and treated as a key player for them. And so there's, there's nothing Salvesim has been on that I don't think everyone has, hasn't loved, you know, he's, like, he's a fan favorite. Yeah. yeah. Just, yeah, him and his brother both. Like, just sort of yeah. prototypical uh, superhero artists. Yeah. Um, but outside that, outside that, you know, comic book world, the real world is, again, continuing to explode. Um, let's see. In Egypt, Anwar Sadat was assassinated. Um, the The DeLorean car, which I know, you know, made a nice sort of comeback in Back to the Future. Yeah. But that was the car that was supposed to revolutionize the world. You know, it was made of aluminum. <laughs> it had mm. these gold wing doors. Yeah. It lasted maybe two years as a production car because the the founder had was selling uh, you know, coke uh, problems with cocaine or <laughs> yeah. something like that. Um, yeah, and, and broke a lot of hearts in Belfast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they had enough on their plate at the time. You know, they sure did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and let's see. Also, um, there were riots in the UK. There was martial law in Poland. Um, Princess Di married uh, w- w- the guy that I think is going to be coronated uh, king anytime now, um, which a lot of people would say was apocalyptic for, uh, <laughs> at least for her. For her um, anyway, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, over here, Ronald Reagan was was elected or took over as president, which... Yeah, big year. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's funny because he cameoed in a lot of comics, so as a little kid, I'd be like, oh, that's cool. Like, he seems like a good guy. He's showing up in comic books. Yeah. Uh, then you learn otherwise yeah um and so so amongst all of that that was also when the first american test tube baby was born that's good i would say was when the first dire wraith was was actually born in america so (laughs) dire wraiths again in the rom-comic were they were these these things that could assume any identity they could sort Mm -hmm. of you didn't know scroll body snatcher type stuff yeah, yeah yeah and so when we're making babies in the lab like that's not all that far away. Like the rates were science-based and, uh, and so we're, we're sort of, again, going down a road of heading toward an apocalypse that Rom is there on the front lines yeah. trying to stave off. Yeah. Insane. I love it. So this is great. Yeah. Chris, Chris. Okay. 19, yes. 1980, right? How old is Chris Ryle yeah. in 1980? What is, he's kicking around. What is he? He's 10, 10 years of age. Right. So, yeah, yeah. So I I don't think you're drawing these conclusions at the age of ten. You're probably just really into the comic book. <laughs> Didn't pay attention to any of this. Like I was aware of like the dirty sky from the volcano blowing up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I was. I will. The one I forgot in 1980 was um, my parents were big Beatles fans. So right. John Lennon getting assassinated oh, yeah. was. Okay, I think that yeah, even yeah. as a little kid hit me. I didn't even know why. Like I just knew that yeah. something monumental happened yeah and that was a big loss and they were very sad but i yeah i mean all of this all of this line drawing between rom and the apocalypse is a thing that uh you know i've thought about for 30 years but i didn't really make these connections until this podcast oh awesome Um, okay well we're very (laughs) glad we've given you that outlet yeah yeah yeah. were you just depressed when you went through all this stuff and realized oh no yeah, no, it's like, man, we, we've lived through some nonsense. <laughs> I mean, not that everybody hasn't, but but yeah, when you look at it, like the stuff, like kind of the apocalyptic stuff or the the world changing things back in that time is like, yeah, yeah. we all we all got hit by a lot of things, which leads me to 1982. Um, 
So ROM was still going. It was like that was when issues 27 to 38 were released. Yeah. Okay. And on those, on some of those issues, there was an artist named Gene Day who was this amazing mm-hmm. anchor, um, amazing artist and anchor. And so he inked some of the issues, drew some covers, and he died that year. And he was like 32 years old. And if oh, you wow. ever saw his stuff, like on Master of Kung Fu comics or anything, like just a guy that, again, had an amazing upside from a real early age. And so just a huge loss to comics. So yeah, I, I yeah. love that. I at least got exposed to a tiny bit to his work on ROM. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But outside in the world, so the Falkland Islands got invaded by Argentina, which, you know, as far as your your skirmishes go, not a major one, but but you know, I'm sure the Falklands didn't uh, didn't love that. But that was also the year Carlos <laughs> the Jackal was. Yeah, Carlos the Jackal was doing all kinds of to terrorism, uh, mostly in France, but elsewhere. Yeah. In the movies, the Road Warrior sort of continued to push this this post apocalyptic. Um, eventually, we're going to run out of fuel, kind of world that we are again, you know, heading toward. Yeah. Um, Escape from New York was a for uh, you know in America it was again more of a uh, an apocalypse because um, I don't think they paid a lot of attention to what was going on in the rest of the world. But for us, it was like, oh my god, if that's where we're headed, like hopefully we all have a real life stake Pliskin, and we did. It just happened to be wrong. Um, <laughs> hey. And, and even in film, so it's uh, Star Trek II was released that year. Yeah. Spock dies. Yeah. Rocky three was released. Mickey dies. Yeah. Like again, things weren't great. Um, it's a bummer. But then, but then, also um, along with the, the test two baby thing, Blade Runner came out, and so you could again, like the whole conversation about replicants. Like, are they human? Are they rep? Are they replicants? Like, we can't really tell. Dire wraiths. You don't really know. Like, are, are they, are there these murderous other things or are they human? Like, I don't know, but we better just not trust anybody. And so again, like this paranoia was spreading in the comics and the films and in the real world. And again, like Rom is our, our shining beacon of hope at that point. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. So <laughs> it's getting more tenuous of a connection, isn't no, it? No, no, I love it. No. I absolutely, I absolutely love it. And I love, I love the fact that this, book was so important to the marvel stable at the time as well mm-hmm. you know it because it, it, you know, it, it was it was box office it brought in it brought in the cash um and you know i i'm i'm, I'm a couple of years behind you so i came up on the gi joe books you know which which yeah. were which were subsequent to, to rom and you know you knew back then the the, the reverence that they were kind of kind of the esteem that they were held in even though there were these books about licensed toys you know like it was it was just it was nuts but but they, you know they they really respected them and they put some great people on them um and and really put a huge effort behind them because rom went first and they could see what happens you know when when you when you hit that kind of that sweet spot for for licensed stuff it was really the first time that licensed comics, I think, sort of measured up to what people wanted out of their comics. Mm-hmm. And again, because of people like Bill Mantlo writing ROM and Micronauts, another toy-based comic, and Larry Hama, like, G.I. Joe wouldn't be anything without Larry Hama. No. Like, Larry Hama breathed so much life into the characters, helped name them. Like, he he basically created the G.I. Joe universe. Yeah. And so anything that... The tattoo, you know, all that is, stuff. Is, yeah, yeah, totally. It is all due to him. And so... It was nice. Like that sort of helped inform my approach to licensed comics when I started publishing all kinds of different licensed books, you know, from Transformers onward Mm -hmm. was like, I want these to be treated as seriously and as, as credibly as they were for me when I was a kid, but also 
and treat it as importantly as anything else for publishing, whether it's creator own book or a licensed book. Like I wanted, I just want it to be good because I yeah. wanted to have that same impact that these kind of things had on us. Yeah. And I absolutely love that there's a direct line from 10 year old Chris through to IDW publishing mm-hmm. ROM, publishing GI Joe, publishing yeah. Transformers, publishing Turtles, like just brilliant. Like that's like my no dream, has, man. That's fucking amazing. Like No one had licenses like you guys did. I mean, so many people take a, a reboot or an adaptation and they kind of change it and they manipulate it to something that they want. But you guys always honored the original material and complimented it and, and added to it when you could. It was, it was great. I mean, more people should take the kind of the idea, the, the, the technique you guys did with the books to whatever they're adapting and filling whatever these days. It's definitely a hard balance because yeah, there's, there's part of you that wants to just do the stuff you loved as a kid. Like I wanted Rom to at least have the same personality as a kid, like this sort of regal, noble, tortured soul who's trapped in his armor, but also not just feel like a retread. And so I get the difficulty that sometimes people have in translating these things because you got to try to get your childhood out of the way. um, But also not disappoint the fans of that, that also liked it back at that time. And so Yes, you know, and some work better than others. Like there, there are certainly some that I wanted to do that I don't think we quite got right. But mm-hmm. you always, you at least try to always approach them with noble intent and not just do them because they might sell a lot of copies. Like I always tried to avoid that as the driver because I think fans are just smart enough to to see through it. And also, they deserve better than just to be treated with something like like it's just a cash grab kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, for real, man. I like as a as a fan of those books, like that that comes through. Like I never once thought of it that way, you know. I think uh, it it always felt sincere. It always felt like it was coming from the right place, you know. And those it's weird how much it, it sort of gets in your system too. Was like the Transformers license at IDW just ended in this past year, and mm. I've been gone mm-hmm. from there for a year and a half. I mean, I I keep a foothold in with Lock and Key because I'm still connected to that book. Sure. But just seeing that come to an end was just such a sort of definitive end point to a very important part of my life that it's even from afar, it's hard to see just because, you know, the stuff starts meaning so much to you and mm-hmm. seeing the resonance that it had for a lot of fans. Like it just, I don't know, it just sort of reminds you what an important and fun period that was, but also that even when it's not a thing that you're directly involved with any longer, it's still kind of hard to see it uh Hard to see it end. Yeah. 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 And you guys did so much good with it. I mean, there are so many quality titles out uh, in your period there with IDW. It was just, yeah. It's just, yeah. just some stuff. It was the only reason why I got back into Transformers. I hadn't, I hadn't really gotten into them since I was a kid. And uh, then I got into your, your Turtles, and that was something I loved when I was a kid. And I thought like it was some of the best stuff from the, from the Turtles I've, I'd ever read. Yeah. And uh, amazing artist on the run. It was just yeah, a stellar time to be into licenses and see and done justicely, you know, yeah. done well. Yeah. Awesome. Glad that worked. Thank you. Yeah, man. And like, I have to echo that. And you know, stuff like the last Ronin, you know, in the in the last yeah. couple of years, like mm. unreal, you know, like, and um, and just keeping Larry on GI Joe, like, you know, probably a controversial move at the time or or whatever, you know, because he'd done his run at Marvel, and you know, but who else was going to do it? Who else was who else was gonna was gonna carry the flag, you know? And if he was still, Joe's a tough there, one yeah. because especially in in you know at this point in in the world, it's hard to to do a toy that kind of has a military connection, and so a toy, a comic that has the military connection, and so Hama has always been that big through line, and because he just knew how to tread the line between sort of the military aspect, um, 
superhero aspect, sort of the fantasy aspect, the ninja thing, yeah. like all of that. He just does so well. And I, I would expect that GI Joe going forward is still going to have a Hama connection because I just, I hope so. I don't know how it couldn't. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah he yeah. is GI Joe. Like he, he really is. And, and yeah. gosh, yeah. if, if whoever gets it or whoever has the license now can, can keep that up, that'd be amazing. You know? Yeah. Yeah, so anyway, 1983, so yeah, Margaret, Margaret Thatcher, Margaret Thatcher was reelected. She won in a landslide. So like, yeah, yeah, look, we don't like to talk about it, but our, our British cousins, you know, across yeah. the water, they, uh, they, they have made a few foolish decisions um, over the years. And that's probably <laughs> one of them. Yeah, they sure well, have. So, I mean, and for us, like Ronald Reagan tried to launch this new show called Star Wars, which. That got me know, excited when I was seven. <laughs> Right, you're like, well, cool, are we building a Death Star? Like, that sounds great. <laughs> but instead, it was just this bullshit way to, to, I don't know, reward his friends and sort of build out the military-industrial complex in ways that were never going to be workable. And no, it's like Space Force. Stuff. But, yeah. yeah, but it wasn't all that different from... It wasn't where Rom was at in the comic yet, but it was where it was headed, which is in the Big Wraith War. They sort mm-hmm. of built this, like, planetary thing that, that eventually, like, I don't know, blazed blasted the entire wraith world out of the sky right and so it wasn't all that dissimilar from star wars so again there were there were parallels echoes yeah um isn't isn't that also like the thing tony stark wanted to build around the planet as well in the in the mcu isn't that where ultron came from wasn't that like a star wars project yeah but i think i think the iron dome in israel is kind of a version of that yeah but yeah, when we were kids, it was like Star Wars. We're doing Star Wars for real. Like yeah. that's awesome. I want a lightsaber, but yeah. of course, it never came to that. Um, let's see. Also in '83, so the first mobile phone was invented, which I think we would also all see as kind of a precursor of the apocalypse no, in its own way. The end of it. Yeah, the end of it yeah. all. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. We launched a movie here called um, "The Day After," which. <sighs> I think it was probably not too dissimilar from what was it? Threads. Threads. In the UK yeah, that, uh, yeah. 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 Day- that was 84. But yeah, these, these, these movies that, yeah, made us all think, holy shit. Like, but I, I, I remember the day after the day after was shown here and everybody in school the next day gone, did you see the day after? Oh, we're all fucked. Like it's over. Hiding you know? under our desk is not going <laughs> to help us after I'm all. I'm not familiar. What, what is the day after? What is Threads? What's that? Oh. So the day after was a mini series that was it basically just presupposed like nuclear war happening. And I mean, okay. it was at the time, like it was a made for TV movie. So it wasn't like rated. It wasn't an adult rated thing. Like it wasn't as graphic as even the scene in Terminator two, Yeah, but it was pretty realistic, you know? And I think threads even more so yeah. showing you like what nuclear war is really going to be like. And that was like when we all thought like this could really happen you know, there was all this saber rattling with Reagan and Gorbachev, and it was like, well, we're fucked. Like, yeah, yeah, we're scary times. Like these movies were were just, yeah, they were gripping and terrifying. Yeah, and you know, slightly like right now, we're kind of echoing what was going on mm-hmm. then as well. You know, with what's happening in Ukraine, reboots, and man, and everything. reboots are all the rage. Reboots, yeah. <laughs> Cold War Two. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> For anyone who want to find out how to survive a Cold War, please refer to our Alex at our, our, our Bona episode where he'll tell you exactly <laughs> oh, what to yeah. do and how to uh, deal with the apocalypse if you live in the States. Yeah, uh, man. That <laughs> was, mean, you got to check that out. That was just about the, the preparedness or, or lack of preparedness yeah. that the American mm-hmm. military have for any kind of apocalyptic scenario. It was, it was amazing, yeah. 
It was like if well, Leslie think... Nielsen was in charge during an apocalypse <laughs> scenario. It was incredible. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think so in the rom comic, then that's when I, just the whole world felt like it was getting more serious and thinking about dire things like nuclear war and all that. And so in the comic, they wiped out the entire town where Rom and all of his supporting cast were were living. And it was just like as a kid, you like to see that there was this wholesale slaughter of characters that you liked and that it wasn't like a superhero death where they're coming back. You're like, mm-hmm. shit, they've really murdered everybody. Like, this is all getting dark. And so yeah. again, yeah, the world outside, like with the day after, the nuclear threat and all of that was scary. The comics were getting a little scary. And so again, it was like, all right, well, thank God we still got Rom fighting for us, because otherwise like there's a lot of grim tidings going on. Brilliant. Um, so let's see. So in '84, like again, that continued on with not only threads, the the yeah. UK miniseries about about or movie about nuclear war, but also we had Night of the Comet, which was a mm-hmm. it was a nuclear war ish movie, but it kind of made it seem cool if you survived. Like mm-hmm. you had to deal with with some zombie like things, yeah. but also you could party and go to the mall and stuff. Yeah. Um, but again, it was like. On in the air was just a sense of there's going to be a nuclear apocalypse. Terminator launched in '84. Even uh, Miyazaki's Nausicaa was was a post-apocalyptic kind of thing. Um, you know, that's when there was this this massive miner strike in the UK. There was all the famine going on in Africa and the Band Aid. You know, do they know it's Christmas kind of stuff, which was kind of an apocalyptic in its own way. Like it raised a lot of worthwhile money, but that that song is. <laughs> It didn't maybe age all that well. No, um, no. Bono's mm. mullet, you know, like there were <laughs> age of a leader. Yeah, yeah some bad things going on there, man. Yeah. By the way, this is completely off topic on all of this, but since you mentioned Bono, yeah, Inhaler is a great band. Inhaler oh, you like them? Yeah, yeah. Front of the band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do. It's sort of like it removes all the excesses of you two. Yeah, and like he sounds Bono like, but does. but doesn't have all the the bloat that yeah. bon- or U two has kind of taken on. Yeah, that'll come. You know, give him give him ten years. There's going to be big big screens everywhere or something you know but yeah yeah and maybe they got too big too quickly like maybe you guys are like Ugh. yeah but, but yeah no and hey they're great yeah no i, I i've seen yeah. them live once so far um but yeah but you know it's a, like the thing about an irish crowd right when you go to a gig in dublin you get to see an hater in dublin or whatever and hopefully you know this is changing but certainly us elfless in, in in dublin yeah you're kind of standing there with your arms folded <laughs> looking up and going you know he's bono's young fella like you know so there's a bit of uh there's a bit of, a bit of you know begrudgery going on in the room you know before before the gig even starts but in fairness to him and to the band like they they give it socks like they're brilliant why are we like I, that I saw, why do the irish do that it's ridiculous Oh, yeah. I saw one show in, in when I was in Dublin. I saw this music festival and New Order was the headliner. Oh, yeah. And yeah, we all like the Irish fans and me too were standing around going, New Order was better when Peter Hook was in the band. Who's that bass player? I get the attitude. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but yeah, no, we don't uh yeah, we don't we don't take kindly to our own, you know. It's weird. It's really mm. weird, you know. Um, but then we also do as well. Like it's like we'll support them but we won't be happy about it. But no, you know? but, but <laughs> you know, put me put me at a at an inhaler gig in New York and I'll be running around the place mm-hmm. going, Yeah, they're right, amazing. Right. Do you know he's yeah. Bono's kid? Isn't that brilliant? You know? But yeah. <laughs> But over here, it's like, do you know he's Bono's young fella? Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, no, I, 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 I get it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's okay. Weird. Let's see. So I'm, yeah, I'm so where are we? So 84, the Olympics. 1984. We had the yeah. Olympics in yeah. LA. Wasn't that, that was a good thing, right? That, that was, that was good. Well, it was a good thing unless you were like, yeah, you know, the homeless people that were, that were there or, you know, they, 
they basically brought through the giant tractors and just like cleaned out anything unsavory yeah. because yeah. you couldn't you couldn't have reality intrude on the cameras. Yeah, and so okay. okay. It was good and bad. And yeah. also you couldn't get tickets to any events. Like I tried to go see some stuff. And, okay. And you were in LA so at the it, time. You were you were a kid in LA. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was outside of LA. Right. Um and yeah, we gave it a shot and I I yeah. think we got to see like women's fencing at, at a college, you know, but there, otherwise you couldn't get to see any of okay. the uh, which wasn't bad, but it wasn't yeah. like the big events that you wanted. Yeah, you wanted um, the dream team. Yeah, you wanted you wanted basketball. Yeah, which so yeah. then led us into '85, which is kind of the last full year of Rom. Yeah, um, he had one more issue released in '86, but so in '85 they launched New Coke, which again, like apocalyptically terrible idea. An apocalypse um, in itself. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, apartheid was in full swing. Um, over here, we had this guy that lived in this this cabin out in the woods called the Unabomber that was mailing oh, yeah. mail bombs to yeah. people and blowing people up. You know that blowing people up was big in the mid eighties. I mean, I don't have to tell. You know, yeah, we know all about this. Yeah. this. We heard about yeah, yeah. You know, it, neighbors of ours, like, yeah. yeah. and, stuff. and yeah. Italy, Italy, all kinds of places, airports. Yeah. You know, boats, car. Like it was, it was not great. Yeah. Um, even in the movies, again, there was Day of the Dead and Return of the Living Dead. Yeah. And then Beyond Thunderdome. And so there was this mm-hmm. this apocalyptic thread that was kind of emulating where we were in the world, it, also in our pop culture. But in ROM, that's the year that they won the Wraith War. And so at least there was, again, ROM out there sort of fighting the good fight and showing showing the way that you can beat back the bad forces and actually uh, come out on top. Yeah. Yeah. Something to be happy about there. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, o- over here now, uh, it was a big year. 1985 was, was a big year for Ireland, you know, um, uh, mainly because um, there was a law passed that allowed the sale of condoms to adults without prescriptions. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, big story. year. Get out there, guys. They're available. Sorry, My mate's dad, uh, they have a German heritage. So he goes from Germany every so often. He comes down to Wexford. That's where I live now. And um, he would bring back a, like a load of condoms and they go out to the pub and like basically he'd be selling them like you know just to let you might need one on the night yeah yeah, yeah. condom just, dealer you know, fortune selling condoms on the weekends <laughs> that's amazing and you'd, you'd call your your optimistic friend like come on man you know you don't really need one yeah, like, yeah. You're not he's gonna, got a wallet full of the last few tonight. weekends he bought yeah. them and never did anything with them yeah, yeah it's the it's it's the uh yeah, the big shot who comes in and buys twenty. You know, that's uh... yeah. <laughs> well, it's a three day weekend, so <laughs> okay. Oh, so nineteen eighty six, yeah, Rom yeah. ends. Like the final issue of Rom is released. He gets back to his home world. You know, gets out of his armor, and him and his his love are there to just like I don't know, repopulate the planet or what yeah. have you. And so, without Rom on the stands anymore, uh, the space shuttle Challenger blew up. Yeah. Chernobyl melted down. Um, <laughs> Mad cow disease was taken over. And like, this is all attributable to the ROM series ending. Like, if that series is still going, those things don't happen. Um, <laughs> Ronald Reagan is probably distracted, still reading ROM, and he wouldn't have had time to sell uh, sell arms to this whole Iran Contra <laughs> So yeah. I'm saying, like, yeah, the negativity and problems in the world amped up after there was no more ROM to keep people entertained and distracted. Right. Okay. Sense. Okay. Perfect sense. I can just be so devastated that my favorite comic is over. I, I'm sitting in Chernobyl going, "What's the fucking point? I'm not going to press the button. <laughs> yeah. Fuck this." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. Well, and then so they they tried bringing Ron back in some form. Um, 
And it was terrible because at that point they lost the rights to the character. Mm -hmm. So they had to call him first, you know, the first. They couldn't name him. They couldn't really use the look. And it was just no slight to the creators who worked on it because there were some good creators. Yeah. But it was a complete mess of a book. And what year did that book happen? This Romless Rom comic? 2001. Yeah. Again, not a great year. September 11th happens Mm. because they did this terrible Romless comic. I mean, I'm not saying that's the only reason. There were probably bigger, (laughs) more attributable reasons. This might have played a small part in it. So, (laughs) (laughs) and so after that, everything in the world is fine, right? Up until 2017, like I say, yeah, when we put this terrible Mm. monster in office, and 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 again, that was right when the rom comic was trying to to sort of. Yeah. keep these things from happening, but the book lasted a year and then didn't carry on after that. And so yeah. now whatever mess the world is in since then, I think it's because there's no rom comic out there. Because there's no rom comic. So, so what yeah. do we do, Chris? Like, is there, is there hope for another rom comic? Will we ever see, see its likes again? Or are we just doomed? I mean, I'm so I, I'm, I'm an optimist, right? Like, mm-hmm. well, I mean, Really sounds like you're an optimist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Um, Well, so my optimism is basically a very ROM-focused optimism, right? Like, all this terrible shit's happening, but there's also ROM. So as long as, like, it's sort of like like King Arthur, right? Like, King Arthur will return when he's most needed. And so I like to think that ROM is still going to make a return at some point when he's most needed. I mean, he's probably kind of needed now. Um, but, you could really uh, do it now, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I, I'm still sort of tangentially trying to, to ma- at least make the reprint thing happen. Yeah. Because um, I do think the people that have had to listen to podcasts like this yeah. and be subjected to me talking incessantly about this thing that they can't find um, should at least have the rights to be able to look up the material themselves and see what it's all about. Yeah. So hopefully that happens. But I, I mean, I'd still love it if there was a new rom series as well like i think the idea of of you know these alien characters that are i don't know you can't they're indistinguishable from humans and stuff and then sort of there's this paranoia like have we have we ever been more paranoid around each other than the last few years whenever somebody would errantly cough down the street like jesus christ kill them (laughs) kill them now um and so i i think there's a resonance in the idea of this character that is trying to help sort of root out this hidden evil that, uh, that can sort of work in any, any climate. So hopefully, yeah, hopefully he, he's back someday. Yeah. Okay. Maybe under scissor G maybe. I mean, we have you and we there's, there's Ashley Wood in there. You guys are all very robot friendly, you know, it kind of works. And Rom, so Ash actually has the rights to, uh, to make a ROM figure like in Ash style. So I've seen the designs that he made. Well, um, the toy hasn't gotten made yet, but like Ash's version of Rom is just so cool because it's just so different and Ash-like because mm-hmm. yeah. he he's never been a guy that's been worried about like is this on model is this going to work for the licensor he's more of like you want me to do Star Wars figures or Transformers like here's my version take it or leave it and they're yeah, like nice. we'll take it can we have more please um, and so I love that about him I love that he's just a guy that can break all the rules and get away with it because he's just such a talent so yeah I mean if, if Rom happened under us uh I, I definitely think that would be a cool thing to see happen. Yeah, I would buy the shit out of it. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, absolutely. And like, just very interesting. I'd, I'd love to see an Ashwood Chris Ryle ROM series. Yeah, mm-hmm. That'd be, 
Yeah, that's got me thinking there. That'd be amazing, man. And I think if you were going to pitch that, Chris, you could probably just use this podcast. Just, just put it out to people to find out how in danger they are by not having ROM. And like, I was I mean, going to say, like, yeah, solo, right? it's irresponsible yeah. not to publish it. It's, <laughs> it's the American thing to do, guys. It's, it's, it's the right thing to do, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, so I don't know if, uh, if the, the image of Charlie from um, the TV show, uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, where he's, He's kind of got all the strings drawn to his board, like this crazy madman with his theories. Like, that's what I just presented on this podcast. And I apologize for uh, the lunatic <laughs> rantings, but hopefully it, it it at least made my point strong Please. enough, even if nobody in the world agrees with it. Please don't apologize for that. That was amazing, Chris. Was Thank brilliant. you so much. Yeah, 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 that was really good fun. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. And amazing. great to kind of hear about a character that we, we again, like other than yourself, I wouldn't have heard about this guy before. <laughs> and it's, it's funny because like, Looking him up since anyone who has read Ron yeah. really likes Ron, yeah. like really likes it. There's no in between. Anyone who's been into this or is aware of it really likes it. It was even the last year of its existence. It was drawn by Steve Ditko, who, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. at that point, he he was a few decades removed from his best work. Um, so he was doing these loose pencils, but they brought in this amazing array of anchors, you know, P. Craig Russell and John Byrne and Joe Sinnott and just all these great anchors to finish his stuff. And so the last year, the stories aren't very good, but, but the art, like the inking over his, his loose pencils is really cool. And so, yeah. again, I just, I'd love to get this stuff reprinted. Um, also because, so there's times when you'll be looking through an old Marvel reprint of like the Hulk or something like that, where Rom showed up in his comic and they don't have the rights to reprint those pages. And so there's just like a text page saying, you know, an alien cyborg came to earth and fought against yeah. alongside Hulk against these alien invaders. Like, can you just show me the stuff? Like, can we work out the legal stuff? Yeah. Like yeah. it's kind of like circuit breaker and transformers for a while. Couldn't be reprinted. Yeah. Um, or even the Hulk robot in GI Joe. Like we had to work around those things at the start yeah. and that stuff eventually got worked out. So hopefully yeah. there can be, you know, full reprints of all of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, it's, it, it's probably not, that people don't want to do it, but it's just about getting the people around the table to to have the conversation to to make it happen. Yeah, I mean, everybody wants their stuff out there. I yeah. get that it's not a going concern for companies that you know have big film franchises based around a lot of other characters, mm. and Marvel doesn't own Rom anymore and all that. So. Mm-hmm. It's it's not in their best interest, other than the fact that they'd be helping save the world by doing this. Well, this is, this is true. <laughs> I'll tell you, say it. I'll say it Come on, Marvel. Right, uh, uh, altruism has to count for something, yeah. right? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Do you want to save the world? Come on. Yeah, yeah. And you know, some some other kind of massive artists start at the start of their career on on Rom. Like there was a there's Frank Miller covers on some of the Roms. Yeah, Which yeah. Is like, and Michael Golden, too. Michael, Michael Golden, who I think is, you know, Byrne and Miller and, and Simonson get mentioned as, like, the, the top talents of the 80s. But, God, Michael Golden was probably the best cover artist working oh, in comics those, at that point. Those G.I. Joe yearbook covers, man. That like, Oh, my God. Yeah, that actually. Larry Hama told me that on that, that yearbook, too, the one that Michael Golden drew, yeah. he said they never, ever got more hate mail than that issue. Um, and I think it was just because people were used to such a straightforward, you know, like the Herb Trimpey, Don Perlin kind of real straightforward art styles Yeah, that, that when you throw somebody like Michael Golden, who was more cartoony, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I think it's amazing. I couldn't imagine hating on that, but yeah. I, 
the, the fans just didn't know what to make of it at the time. And so, wow. Yeah. Crazy that it got all that hate mail. Yeah. And there was, there was an amazing, um, artist edition as well. Wasn't there? There was a, there was a, a Michael yeah, Golden. Yeah. 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 It was brilliant. Absolutely. It's like there. I was going to say, how much did you like an artist edition of that last work of Steve Ditko, maybe with his pencils then side by side with the inker of that? I mean, like, I would pay for my, yeah. On, over on one of these shelves that, again, that doesn't do the podcast audience any good, but <laughs> I have a, uh, it's basically a ROM artist edition that uh, this designer, Ian Chalgren, that I work with made just as a one-off, just to kind of show wow. his design skills. But it's probably the closest that will ever exist to an actual ROM artist edition. And cool. it's just so cool seeing all the Southern Summer originals that way. And we should say, actually, mm-hmm. listeners, that, Chris has an amazing ROM collection on display behind him right now, like from <laughs> the action figures to the books to the to the individual comic books in a spinner yeah. rack, as they should be. Just looks absolutely amazing. There's even a Lego recreation of one of the covers back there that uh, oh, I got to know this Lego master builder, and he. I think he. I think everybody gets so tired of hearing me talk about Ron. They're just like, "Here's a thing. Will you now go away?" And focus on that and not... <laughs> but he I'm made me a really technique. cool Lego recreation. So yeah, it's working out for you, man. I never heard of that before. I encourage that technique. Yeah. 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 For real. Oh man, that's that's amazing. So, look, Chris, thank you so much for joining us on the Odd Spot. It's been I think it's all about Rom, yeah. Blast. Hey, thank you for humoring me. Yeah, no, any time, man, any time at all, you know. And we can, you know, we can always do another one and 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 yeah, look at absolutely. look at look at other events. Um, but yeah, so Chris, where will people find you? People find Scissor G if they're if they're so inclined. So we have a website that probably needs more regular updating than it gets. Um, Running this imprint has been a lot. And so some of the things like that have not been uh, as active on our minds, but it's World of Syzygy, which spelling that is S-Y-Z-Y-G-Y. So the only almost vowel in the word is a Y. Yeah. Three times. See the problems Um, I had, listeners? And then... Yeah, and so then I'm on Instagram. I'm still mustering through Twitter, despite all of its uh, mm-hmm. weirdness. And, and yeah, it's a fun <laughs> time. Like that's on its apocalyptic journey right now. Um, but you know, yeah, trying to trying to just keep word out there in whatever ways I can. Okay. All we need is to bring Ron back, and then Twitter will be great. Yeah. Again, right? <laughs> right? Yeah, distract Elon Musk with that, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. and maybe order can reassert itself. He love Ron. It'll work out perfectly for anybody. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He'd probably try and build his own one that wouldn't work, you know? Yeah. I mean, if you look at that that ridiculous uh, truck he's trying to launch, like, mm-hmm. it kind of looks like if Rom was a Transformer. Yeah. Like, that's what his, that's what his uh, car form would be. Yeah, and he did, he did release, um, didn't he, didn't he launch an Android type thing that just had people kind of moving it? And he's like, yeah, there's a press conference. He's like, look at my great robot. And there's like a guy, there's a guy on either ankle, you know, on the, they're lying on the floor and they're kind of moving it forward as it tries to walk, you know, it'll eventually yeah, kill us all. He's sure. a, he could pretend he's a space knight, but I mean, he's pretty clearly a dire yeah. wraith. So yeah, Dude, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> absolutely a dire wraith. Okay. Well, I think we'll leave it there. Thanks again, Chris. It's been, <laughs> thanks yeah, a million, Chris. Thank you guys. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. You thanks. Thanks for joining us on The Odds Pod. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. 
Look out for the odds coming soon from Scout Comics, and please tell us what your favourite apocalypse is. You can find me on Twitter at Bennessy, that's B-E-N-N-E-S-S-Y. And me on at Dave Hendrick. Big thanks to our producer, Adrian Carty, and we'll see you at the end of the world.